Hey everybody, welcome to Literary Disco on Lit Hub Radio, episode 183, Shell Silverstein. Today, in a special parent-only episode, <laughs> Julia and I discuss the work of poet, songwriter, cartoonist, and all-around renaissance man of children's literature, Shel Silverstein. This is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need. Today, Todd is away, so we are Julia and Ryder, two old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker Ryder Strong. Joining me today, essayist and radio personality, Julia Pistel. Hi, Julia. Hi. Finally. Just done. <laughs> we got rid of the bad fucking energy. I'm sure I made that same joke last time we did something uh, about it. But we liked, I mean, our listeners should know, like, once in a while, one of us is like, well, you guys could just go ahead without me. And the other two are like, no, we, we like yeah. our little unit. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think um, I would love, I actually think we're going to be uh, missing some, some Todd energy today. Um, because I am, I'm, I'm, I have a feeling you and I are kind of on the same page about Shel Silverstein, but I'm very curious what, what his thoughts are. So maybe we can have him weigh in, uh, next time we, we record with him. Yeah. But, uh, he probably would say it's stupid. We can take some guesses. <laughs> Some, some Todd guess. predictions on Shel Silverstein. Uh, Although I don't know, because uh, I suggested this um, as a subject. We both, Ryder and I, are in kid land more than ever due to the pandemic. Um, so we don't really have time or brain power to read much other than poems that are twelve lines long. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny because originally we had we talked about maybe just doing a a, a kids book roundup, you know, sort of talking about what we're, we've been reading to our kids lately. Um, but the truth is, uh, you know, my son is is turning six in a couple of weeks and we've we've moved into chapter books. We're reading Harry Potter every mm. night. Um, so I've kind of, we've gotten away from like, you know, children's children's books with illustrations and stuff, except for Shel Silverstein. Mm. This is sort of the perennial, his work still lasts. Uh, Indy um, gets Shel Silverstein every night every night really uh yeah i don't i'm not doing it anymore like i used to read our you know our nighttime uh our nighttime bed going to bed routine has like it's 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 gone through so many different phases it used to be i would tell him a story either that i would make up on the spot or i would you know try and remember jack and the beanstalk and tell my own version or classic old stories that i would just have kind of have in my head um And then he got bored of that and I would read him poems, but I would read some Shel Silverstein, some sort of fun kid-like poems. And then other times I would just read full-on adult poems that I like. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then now we've just gotten into the habit where I I go in, I read him Harry Potter. Uh, We're on the third book. We're almost finishing the third one right now. And then my wife goes in and sings songs and reads Shel Silverstein. That is so nice. Yeah, that's pretty much been our pandemic routine. Like since since quarantine, that's that's what we've fallen into, and he loves. It. I mean, he still loves Shel Silverstein. They're still his favorites. That's um, so nice. Yeah, when like whenever we not that we're going on trips, but whenever we pack for like if he goes to the grandparents overnight, that's what we pack for them to read to him is is one of the Shel Silverstein collections. Um, yeah, I, so- I mean, I'm a. I'm totally in the bag for Shel Silverstein. Oh, I'm me too. That that's why I suggested. I was like, this is easy. Um, yeah. Cool. Wow. So I didn't even know that when I suggested it. I was just being lazy. Yeah. Uh, 
So are you reading all these poems uh, to Vega every so night too? So we kind or? of just started. So this is not, um, this is very interesting because I feel like we've got the entry and the exit into this level yep. of reading right now. So Vega's three. Um, and she still loves this, you know, she loves the sounds of books and everything. So I was just reading some to her um, right before this and she's very into the illustrations um and the rhyming and then like (laughs) this this is the delightful thing about shell silverstein is you know he's not a kitty poet by any means so there's one poem i forget which one it is um but it has the word p in it like he went to p and she (laughs) she looked at me i know this is audio but she was like (gasps) p (laughs) in a poem like it was the most scandalous thing she'd ever heard um, and I was like, hell yeah. And then I read her the one that's like a warning against picking your nose because yep. all I'm going to say is she's three and I could see her like lower her hand and raise her hand and like really consider whether there's some snail inside her face that's going to bite her <laughs> fucking finger off. Um, yep. So that's where we are. It's like it's an interest and a fascination, but they're not in her vocabulary yet in the way that um other books like brown bear brown bear what do you see she has memorized and things like that um but it's like we're putting this new rhythm and this new kind of poetry into her body and she's very curious oh that's such a yeah that's so interesting for for indy it was yeah it was also the illustrations yeah he was probably two and a half three when we started reading chill silverstein seriously and um yeah, it's it's, it's some sometimes it's like there's there's an illustration like there's the one about the bee and it's a you can see a person's butt and the bee is like tattooed on the person's uh, a message <laughs> on the person's butt like Indy loved that one you know because it's like oh there's somebody's butt and then there's the one called the worst which he was fascinated by it's a poem about like a creepy terrible monster uh, and there's a crazy illustration it kind of looks like sloth from. Um, the Goonies, you know, it's like this distorted face, and it's just this—it's just a short little poem about like the worst monster in the world being right behind you, you know. And he was both scared and intrigued. He would always want me to read that one to him, like that was, you know, he kept returning. And now, now, you know, and then for a little while, and this—I think this is still the case. He just wants the longer poems because that means we stay with him longer Aww. reading them. So yeah, you know, it's like the peanut butter sandwich one, the one about being sick for you know, uh, lying to stay home from school. Oh, I remember that and, one. And, so yeah, and. Now he's really getting into the, I, I feel like there's always something subversive about Shel Silverstein, right? There's like the yeah. element of subversiveness that you're talking about, which is just the, like the words and the illustrations to sort of like, oh, this isn't appropriate. This isn't right for a kid to be mm-hmm. uh, reading or hearing. And, and then now there's this other subversion, which is this narrative subversion, like, things don't have happy endings in Shel Silverstein's poems. Like even, you know, even if it's a long narrative, like the long haired boy um, is this, you know, boy who can suddenly fly or, you know, with his hair. And then it just kind of, he just disappears. He just (laughs) flies away one day and never comes back. And and stuff like that really lingers and Indy loves it. He's like, what is going on? Why, you know, there's never, it, it doesn't have, well, I guess like a good point of comparison is, is like Dr. Seuss, right? Yeah. Or you think about other kids' poems that they, they, they wrap everything up. They make sense or they, they, they end happily. And even if there's some element of chaos, whereas Silverstein, there's, there's not a lot of happy stuff. They certainly, and we got to 
put a pin in the giving tree in a second because I really want to mm-hmm. talk about that. But um, they leave you with a sense of unease, you know, yes. which I love. Um, even the poems that are more sincere, um, they have that note in there somewhere and it's often at the end. And of course, we got to read a couple, but I was digging in into this poem earlier. Um, enter this deserted house and it's an illustration of a house but that's not what the poem's about and I'm like this is such a good entry for a kid into what how to read a poem Um, yeah enter this deserted house but please walk softly as you do frogs well here and crickets too ain't no ceiling only blue uh jays dwell here and sunbeams too floors are flowers take a few ferns grow here and daisies too Whoosh, whoosh, to wit, to woo. Bats dwell here and hoot owls too. Ha ha ha, hee hee, hoo hoo. <laughs> Gnomes dwell here and goblins too. And the, the, what is that? Let's just pause there, but that's not the end. <laughs> and, then, and my child, I thought you knew. I dwell here and so do you. Oh, so, so good. It's obviously about, obviously to me, about the earth and the planet we're sharing. And there's this very sincere message there, but it's got that creepy tone yep. of there's, oh, there's goblins here and dun, 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 you live here. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very, it makes you feel off kilter in a way. And I feel like I just can't wait to like discuss with Vega, like, okay, what house has a blue ceiling and flowers on the floor. And it's it's just a very cool way to get into a poem. If you're a fan of literary disco, then you're a fan of stories. And you should check out Far Away, a new short story collection from Amazon Original Stories. Far Away gathers five of today's most original best-selling authors for bold new takes on classic fairy tales. These are not your typical happily ever after kind of stories. These five stories for adults offer new takes on evil queens, charmless princes, and star-crossed lovers, taking old standards in new and interesting directions. The Far Away Collection is available in audio and ebook format. Amazon Prime members listen and read for free. Download now at amazon.com slash farawaystories. That's amazon.com slash farawaystories. It's very similar to one of my favorites, um, the bridge or this bridge. Uh, this bridge will only take you halfway there to those mysterious lands you long to see through gypsy camps and swirling Arab fairs and moonlit woods where unicorns run free. So come and walk a while with me and share the twisting trail, tra- twisting trails and wondrous worlds I've known. But this bridge will only take you halfway there. The last few steps you'll have to take alone. I mean, it's basically like he's describing the act of reading and writing poetry right like, yeah or or just being imaginative together it's and it's so beautiful um and like again like you said kind of creepy you're like wait <laughs> i have to go these last few steps alone what does that mean and it, yeah it leaves that lingering sense like you always want to come back to shell silverstein palms you're never quite settled you know it doesn't wrap it up with a bow and make you go oh that was cute i mean some of them do of course but i think for the most part like he is his his overall effect is like come back you know, you're invited again to reread, to revisit, to look at the illustration closer and to be like, what is going on here? Um, so yeah, I love that. We can come back to the poems, but I think that is like, we got to talk about the giving tree. And here's yeah. why I want to talk about it. So in the last five years or 10 years, I have a strong opinion about this. So yeah, this is a warning to the listeners. It's not going to surprise <laughs> you. Adam. 
But it's become like the hottest like signal to other people to be like, I hate the giving tree. The giving tree yeah. actually sucks. And then everyone's like, yeah, that tree gives it all. And that boy never thanks her. Who reads this shit? <laughs> well, it's also like this hot take on like, this is extreme parenting, right? Like this yeah. is the problem with uh, uh, the way people approach parenting is they just, they act like the tree and they think that this is a good story about being a good parent is that you just constantly are giving. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the point. That's what's yes. so great about it. So <laughs> it's... this is, I feel like if that's what you feel, if you feel that upset about the way that the giving tree goes plot wise, then you should be reading that with your kid. <laughs> That is absolutely you need to lean into that. I mean, how many children's books? I mean, I probably have a hundred books like this in my home. That's just some mother cuddling a kid or a daddy or a bear parent or whatever. And they're just a parent figure there comforting and loving, which of course, like great to have that. (laughs) But like children don't question that. They don't question like what it takes or what it drains from someone else to take care of you. And they should feel that unease. They should feel that open-ended, you know, question like, oh, was this fair? You know, was this right? And I think what people forget is like, Shel Silverstein doesn't have a pat little ending. He just leaves it open like he does with all these poems. And now it's a stump. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, I mean it's important to remember. I, I think a lot of the reason that the parents turn against the, the giving tree, uh, especially in our generation, is because they did grow up with it and they don't quite remember it correctly, right? Mm-hmm. They almost remember they remember it being a sad, important, weird story. Uh, but then when you read it again as an adult, you're you you. Let me just put it this way: when you're a kid, it's like you. I think if I can remember, I put myself in the the perspective of the little boy, you know? And what was sad to me was how quickly he grew up and like all the things that he was, you know, going off to do that happens off page that I remember being like, what? He's getting so old. He keeps changing, you know? And that was the sort of tragedy (laughs) as a kid. Then you read it as a parent and you of course see that, that the real tragedy is that this poor tree is left alone and being taken advantage of. But I think it works both ways. That's the point, is that in both cases, it's a sad, tragic experience. Like, nobody's happy. The little boy, does, you know, he's taking advantage of the tree, but he's not happy. He's unhappy. He keeps coming back because things aren't working out for him. And, you know, his life isn't going so great. And he has to keep coming back to the tree. So I feel like that... That the negative reading is the point, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you, we're supposed to be sad by it, both as 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 grownups and kids. And I think that you know it's like uh, Todd's favorite song, "Cat's Cradle," <laughs> which yes, is I always you know, think of that when I read this yeah, too. Yeah, it's like it's you know it's just a perfect narrative that that we all can relate to. You know, it also makes me think of. Do you remember the play Our Town? Of course. Uh, yeah. Did I, it, as a young theater nerd, do the final monologue in audition? Who didn't? Right. And it's it's the same message, right? It's like, enjoy your life before it passes you by too fast. And like that that profound sense of like regret or like missing out on either being a parent or being a kid or just living your life is oh my god it's like when when a when an art when a piece of art can tackle that feeling and that panic uh i think it's you know it's it's rare and it's 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 a difficult subject but it's you know i think the giving tree does it perfectly yeah and i um i have the text pulled up right here 
and the end does the last line is and the tree was happy but now now that I'm in the like pandemic zone I'm just reading this a whole different like a third way right now so let me just read to you the last little bit so um I don't need very much now said the boy just a quiet place to sit and rest I am very tired well said the tree straightening herself up as much as she could well an old stump is good for sitting and resting come boy sit down sit down and rest and the boy did and the tree was happy and so taken alone that part is like these people have nothing left to give you know what I mean? Right. But they still can connect and unite, yep. even though they're completely depleted and right. have nothing left. Does that sound familiar? If <laughs> it's sitting in the same house <laughs> for nine months. But yeah, yeah. like uh, yet another way to look at like giving and taking and receiving. Um, when you're old and you got nothing left, you can you still have something to offer and right. something to accept, and that's really. Well, it's cool. I mean, the, the thing is, unconditional love may not be the healthiest thing in the world, but we all feel it, right? Mm-hmm. We all have some version of unconditional love in our life, whether it's our parents, our, you know, our partners, our kids. There's, there's at some point you reach that, that boundary where it's like, oh, I, I just want to be with this person. I just want to keep giving, even though it's hurting me. So I, I've, yeah, to me, it's, it's an incredibly universal message. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah, and I, the backlash is so funny to me. It's like just trying to erase it from the world won't make people stop doing that. I mean, I've been talking to other parents more than I ever have during this pandemic, and people are so much more depleted and so much more like in the struggle than I think they always were, but now they're just admitting it more. Yeah. And, when we take away stories like this and pretend that parenting or teaching or any of the other analogous things here, um, that any caregiving um, is easy, you know, we all lose. (laughs) Not easy. Yeah. Um, Have you read, this is a Shel Silverstein book I picked up in college, um, The Missing Piece and the Big O. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a lesser known, but I just reread it. We have it here um, right before this. And that's all about this little like wedge trying to find a place to fit in. And it's all about finding a partner who doesn't like deplete you and own you. Right. Um, it's very cool book. People should go check that out. Yeah, I actually don't own a copy. I remember it from when I was a kid, but we actually don't have a copy for indie. So I should. All right, let me summar. I'll summarize it really quick. Although yeah. summarizing a picture book is kind of like a worse version of the picture book um so there's this little wedge and it's called the missing piece and it's looking for something to fit into and all these other circles with a missing wedge roll by and the wedge like sometimes the wedge just doesn't fit or sometimes like the circle thing won't roll um and it just explores all these different ways that people try to fit partners into their life um, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. And then finally what happens is a full circle comes by and the wedge is like, well, I want to be with you, but you're not missing anything. And the circle's like, damn right. I'm not missing anything. Maybe I'll see you again someday. Yeah. Yeah. And, (laughs) and then the wedge is like, but I'm a wedge. I have to fit into something. And the circle just says um, corners rub off. 
And then the wedge learns to roll until they're two full circles and they're both complete. Wow. Yes. That's so it's great. Such a good, such a good story. And every page is a full metaphor. <laughs> it's yeah. Very short. Um, but it's and, really good. And it's so that like to me, the lesser children's book, which is constantly written, is that, you know, the 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 wedge finds the perfect half circle right or the, yeah. the, that it fits into because i feel like that is so many children's books that you can especially the illustrated ones it's like here was a weirdo who did not fit in in some capacity whether that's an animal that doesn't have a friend and you know or mm-hmm. just does some weird thing and then they find that other person who's also weird like them or they find that group of people that are also weird and they fit in perfectly end of good happy children's book i hate those things i hate those <laughs> books it's like it's just, you know, and, and I don't I don't even really remember them. I don't think Indy remembers them. I, mean, I We definitely plowed through a lot of those kinds of stories, and they're just totally forgettable. You know, I remember also with Shel Silverstein, I, I was thinking about this this morning when I was going through the poems. My parents wouldn't read me certain poems. <laughs> and, I, and I always knew that. I always knew that that there were certain ones that my, my parents would skip. And I was trying to find out which ones. The only one I can remember for sure is there's a poem he has, like, Someone Ate the Baby. Mm. It's a, it's kind of a weird. I remember poem. that one. And then there's one where like a guy, it's it's like a he peels his skin off and somebody else puts his skin on, <laughs> and he's like, so if you see me acting weird, it's because it's the cuckoo wearing my skin. And I'm sure my parents <laughs> skipped that one. You know, anything that was a little too disturbing or macabre, my parents. But I think that that also intrigued me. You know, like it made me want to go find the book when my parents weren't around and flip through it. Um, yeah, and so that's what you know. Indy loves to do that. You know, he just jumps around through the. But he he actually wore out our copy of Where the Sidewalk Ends to the point where now he we use it as a journal. He can write in it, and we bought oh, another wow. copy to read because the whole binding fell apart. He had worn through it so much. So yeah, cool. just flipping through, finding you know the little because the the illustrations are so they're they're it's that perfect amount of like uh, detail and 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 childlike sort of whimsy. Um, you know, that they're just, just weird enough and interesting enough and just detailed enough, uh, to be kind of uncomfortable. I I love the whole, yeah, the whole package. Yeah. I mean, when, when I read Shel Silverstein and probably just Light in the Attic and Where the Sidewalk Ends, because these are the ones I read as a kid, there's something like you reconnect with this feeling that, you know, you've been here before, but so early that you don't actually remember it. And yep. there's so few books that meet that criteria that that's such such an exciting feeling. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you something. How's Andy doing with his reading? Is he reading any of these by himself? No, no. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, he's um he he can read at this point. Like he can, you know, basically sound out any word. Um, but I'm not putting the pressure on it. You know, he's he's doing Zoom kindergarten right now. So yeah. he's he's learning math and reading via a screen every morning, which is just so disturbing. So I'm not putting the, you know, I'm not putting too much pressure on him because I want him to enjoy the act of reading more Mm -hmm. than it to be like a chore. So, um, but whenever I'm reading Harry Potter at night, he sits next to me and reads over my shoulder and he points Mm -hmm. to words. Mm -hmm. So he's at that, you know, and of course Harry Potter is so the the page is so dense he just kind of randomly will be like does that say serious black and i'm like yes it does he's like so he's gonna show up um you know so he just finds words that you know like that but he's not trying to read along or anything um 
but yeah, no, I, with Shel Silverstein, he's not quite, he just wants to look at the illustrations still. So he's not quite, he, he, I mean, he could if he actually put his, his mind to it, but I'm not, I'm not putting the pressure on him. I just want to enjoy the act of reading. Yeah, you know, this is tangential now, but I'm so glad we're talking about this because, so Vegas only three, but she's in preschool and they're learning their letters and like writing. And obviously I'm the reader of the house. And I keep saying to Greg, I'm like, this is insane. Like, she does not have to do this. I don't care at all. And he's no. like, you know, as as someone who's more into the tech side of life and has anxiety around reading, he's like, well, you know, like, isn't it good that she's going to be doing all this stuff? And I'm like, she's going to learn to read. Like, to explain to me a reality in which this child right. in my house will not <laughs> learn to read. She's going to learn to read. Right. Um. And I'm trying to get her more, even as she learns more letters and is really interested and is starting to identify stuff out of curiosity. Um, I'm trying to get her more books with no words because she's mm. already gotten into a couple of times. She's been like, I can't read this. <laughs> like she's like some 40 year old. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, forget it, forget it. Like, just look at the pictures yep. and tell me what the story is. So I totally agree. I'm trying to back off really hardcore um, you know, at, while at the same time she's curious and reinforcing it. It's very yes. interesting. Well, so the, we, you know, Indy has two friends who can read um, his age. Actually, they're slightly younger than him. And they, the difference between the two of them is, is one is a little girl who is a voracious reader already, like can read chapter books to herself mm -hmm. and does it at night. And her, wow. par uh, her parents actually... <laughs> threatened to take away her books as a punishment, which they feel horrible about, but it's the only way to get through to her to like listen to them sometimes, which is fascinating. The other friend is a boy who can read anything. Like he's been since the age of like, since he turned five, basically he can read anything, um, but never wants to. Mm. Has no desire to pick up a book, does not want to read, a, you know, and that to me is like what I'm most afraid of. Yeah. Is that, that Indy would gain the technical skill but think that it's just a, a sort of means to an end that he has to do sometimes for school. Um, so I, yeah, I've taken my foot off the gas a lot when it comes to reading. I do not want to pressure him. He's written us notes. So while he's in Zoom, yeah. you know, probably bored as hell, like all kids, especially kindergartners are staring at a screen. Uh, he, he's been writing notes to me and Alex uh, horribly misspelled, you know, combination of capital letters and lowercase, depending on which letter he likes better. Um, but he'll write, he'll fill a whole page. Like, how are you doing mom and dad? That's I love so you. Cute. I miss you. I want to see you, you know, it's yeah. It's so he, you know, and I like that, I, you know, and I've been writing him notes and passing him notes during the school day when he's in zoom and stuff. Um, so I'm hoping that yeah, we just keep, keep the interest in the, in the activity going. Um, but yeah, you know, and he's always loved poetry. He loves the sound of poems. Um, mm -hmm. and, and every night he asks for them. So, uh, or, you know, poetry, I'm, that's what I, I'm so happy that poetry is not this intimidating, weird form, that it's something that he understands and likes and appreciates. Um, another great comedy kids poet who's not as well known is this guy named Jack Prelutsky. Have you ever oh encountered this stuff? Oh my God, when I was a kid... We would read this Jack Proletsky book every single night. 
Oh, great. Yes. Yeah, I didn't, I don't really know his work. It. I didn't grow up with it at all. So I found it, I, I, I only found it online, a couple poems online. So I need to go out and buy one of his books and, and really dive deep. But one of Indy's favorite poems, even more than almost any of uh, the Shel Silverstein's is a Jack Perlutsky poem called Bleezer's Ice Cream Store. And it's just, <laughs> the whole joke is like, you know, come into my store, you, you know, find flavors that you've never found before. And then the poem is just a list of the most disgusting combinations of flavors you could ever imagine for ice cream and it, it you know it rhymes so it sounds really great but it's like you know checkerberry cheddar chew or like all these weird you know it's like avocado with jam like it's just the most disgusting things you could ever imagine uh about bubble gum and broccoli it's yeah. so fun and, and indy just loves i mean he's basically memorized it so I, when we, we read it aloud he's like almost shouting it along with me each flavor you know and how disgusting it would be and we get all grossed out reading it it's so much fun yeah um, but yeah he's the only he's the only other one because like i really am not a dr seuss guy and i am not it, they're just too long and they're you know dr seuss also is is less a lot of those books that sort of people remember as being dr seuss weren't even written by one person they, they sort of have that like dr seuss brand mm -hmm. but you know they're just kind of rhymy it's not really written by the same person and it doesn't have the same feel i mean i like his his is like the Lorax is great. I, I love some of some of his longer story ones, but like I don't know the Cat in the Hat. I could just do without it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what's going on. It's so repetitive. I it's like so... the ones. Well, we have a lot of the board books, which are much shorter. Right. Um, some editor went crazy and whittled them down to like a mere thirty pages. Good. Um, <laughs> But I actually like the ones that are not stories, but are just mm. completely about sounds. Like Hop on Pop is the big one here. Right. Um, because Fox and Socks. Yeah, Fox right. and Socks is a story, though. Like, it's a conversation. Yeah. It's a scene um, right. where Hop and Pop is just random. Like, no, Pat, no, don't sit on that. Um, and <laughs> that's a big hit here. And you can okay. see Vega, like, relating the sounds i mean shell silverstein jack perletsky dr seuss they're all very close to music and shell silverstein oh, yeah. was a musician too so yeah um i'm like this is this reading is actually bringing her closer to a musical vocabulary and a musical yes. knowledge yeah. and vice versa so we're we're still in for dr seuss but yeah the first time that we accidentally read a full-length one we were like oh my god <laughs> Ain't too long. We have um our bedtime routine. So another association I don't want her to have is like books make you fall asleep. Oh um, right. Because Greg has that. If he reads, he just gets really <laughs> just sleepy. Zoned out, right? <laughs> yeah. So um we read three silly books and then one or two quiet books. So the silly books are like all out voices, right. insanity. <laughs> you have actors as parents, um, excitement. Yes. And then there's some transition to quiet books. And she totally loves that division. And the quiet books are all more musical and more rhythmic and less about being ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so much about poetry. I mean, in a weird way, it's like we're teaching our kids the the rhythms of the English language. You know, mm -hmm. we're introducing them to the possibility for language to become 
meaningful in a sensory way, you know, not just meaningful in like a transmission of information, but actually like enjoying the musicality and the sound and the rhythm. And I think that's super important. I think that's kind of the point of poetry, especially, you know, before, yeah. because I mean, you know, now I think indie is really into meaning and, and irony and all the subversiveness, but, but certainly at when he was Vega's age, it was just about the sounds, you know, the, the other, the other week, Alex made the mistake of trying to read him the Raven, <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, which is a long ass poem. Yeah, another long one. <laughs> oh my God. But so the next day, Indy was like, we read the longest poem last <laughs> night. And he, but he couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. And I was like, what did the, what did the Raven keep saying? He's like, never more. Dad, what was going on? <laughs> and, and, and Alex turned to me. She was like, yeah, what the hell is the Raven about? And I was like, I actually can barely remember. I was like, I think she, his, yeah, I was like death, his wife died or his partner died <laughs> and she's never coming back. And the Raven is just scary and there and telling him it's death. It's never, yep. you know, the person's never coming back. Uh, but you know, it almost didn't matter. Like Indy just loved the sound and the sort of atmosphere of the poem itself. And it, 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 it did its job in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a blast. Definitely in the top five most fun things about having kids is reading them books. Yes, definitely. And the, the thing about poems is you read them a bazillion times you're not going to mm-hmm. read them once and then be done with it you're going to come back to them a hundred million times so they better be good yeah which is why it's hard to write these things you know because yeah you have to appeal to both a sort of adult sensibility of the person who's going to be reading this with their kid um, and you have to appeal to that um, while also being fun and funny and accessible for a three-year-old <laughs> Yeah. It's a tricky, it's a tricky line. I mean, it's crazy to me that there aren't more sort of wannabe Shel Silversteins in the world. And maybe there are, but like, I mean, we, we've really only been able to come up with Jack Perletsky, Shel Silverstein. You can kind of put Dr. Seuss in a similar category. Um, but are there like any other world famous New York Times best selling? I don't know. Oh, well. We probably talked about this when we did kids' books. Sandra Boynton, I'm sure I put her in the mix. I don't know her. She's a lot. This is even younger. This is like babies. If mm. you saw a cover, you would um, you would know because this is everywhere. She actually started by illustrating greeting cards. And then yeah. it was just she was like, I think, got rich off greeting cards. I read a New York Times article about her. And then she started making these like silly little books for babies um, and they are like the first time you read them, you're like, this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get kind of hooked. The time you're like, I am all in. So, um, one of them, uh, yeah, I got to pull it up. Um, the text of Eek Halloween. So this is Vegas favorite Halloween book. Um, and it's about these chickens who don't get what Halloween is. Um, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. I don't even need to look it up. I have memorized. Um, There's a big round moon in a dark, dark sky. The chickens are restless. Do you know why? Strange yeah. things are happening. Uh. One saw a pumpkin with flickering eyes. One saw a mouse of enormous size. So it goes on like that. I yes. do know the whole thing. <laughs> but it, it's the same like silly rhythm and like yeah. very cute. What feels like very cute rhyming first. Uh, rhyming mm-hmm. is tricky tricky it's either really stupid or it like unlocks 
really cool things. Um, and so she's, she's on the edge. The rhymes are really silly, but it's, they're really cute. Um, and then another book that isn't advertised as a poem, but I'm like, this is a perfect fucking poem is little blue truck, which is so popular. Oh yes. I am obsessed with little blue truck because (laughs) I feel like if you weren't into like if you just read, you'd be like, oh, kids love this because of trucks. And I'm like, no, kids love this because the words are perfect. Like yes. this this writer made a spreadsheet and every word mm-hmm. foreshadows a rhyme. Yes. Um, and I'm just so into Little Blue Truck. Yeah, um, no, little, there's a sequel to it too, right? I think there's yeah, a, there, a second one. Yeah. Little Blue Truck one commercial. I think there's a bunch of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, anyway, I feel like there are a lot of writers who are using the same skill set but maybe like going all in as a children's poet is kind of out of publishing fashion you know what I mean yeah well I wonder how much even Shel Silverstein embraced it wholeheartedly you know because he was a songwriter he also wrote a lot for Playboy like he toured the world Mm -hmm. doing these sort of so it you know it seems like he was sort of dragged kicking and screaming into being a children's uh author which is kind of makes sense right like it yeah kind of, that's and the way like it feels that. i know we like i like that too. Yeah. that that quality uh it's it's super fascinating that i think that that's part of the package it's why it's why it's lasted as long as it has um so everybody we recommend read, it read shell silverstein <laughs> to your kids go out and buy every shell silverstein book uh, and the missing piece in the big o if you're looking for love or friendship literary. Literary Disco is produced and edited by Justin Alvarez for Lit Hub Radio. You can reach out to us directly on Twitter at Literary Disco. Happy reading, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.